0: Today, This is John Murphy. and It's my pleasure to welcome as our special guest for this podcast, Dr. Elia Bennyash. Dr. Ash is an associate professor in the School of Dental Medicine at the University of Pittsburgh. Dr. Ash, welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Thank you, John. So I know that your interests are in tissue engineering for what I'll call hard tissue, bone and teeth and so forth. And this is a contrast to some of our guests in the past who have done some very pioneering work in soft tissue. So perhaps we could begin this discussion by you just sharing a little bit with us about your interest and the status of your work. The broad interest of our lab is biominalization, which
1: is, by definition, the study of the processes leading to formation of solids, of inorganic solids, by living organisms. And this is a very broad topic, and it starts with bacteria that produce different kinds of minerals, seashells, sea urchins, and so on and so forth. Obviously, we focus more on the vertebrate and human heart tissues, such as bones and teeth. And since I'm in a School of Dental Medicine my major interest is in the teeth. And what we are looking at, we are looking at how these teeth are formed, how the tissues in the teeth, enamel and dentin, are formed at the nanoscopic level, trying to understand how the different proteins and other micromolecules regulate formation of face, you know, shape, orientation, organization, and mechanical properties as well. Many of these molecules are also involved in the mechanical performance of these tissues. Why we are doing this, th- these tissues are unique nanocomposites, and they are built bottom-up in a several hierarchical levels. The unique properties of these tissues are primarily determined by the structure, because the components of these tissues are not particularly strong and actually Probably material scientists will never choose this set of materials for their purposes. We think that understanding the formation of these tissues will lead us to development of new materials that will mimic the biological tissues. And they can be used in tissue engineering, regenerative medicine, as well as in other
0: fields, such as electronics or optical devices. So if I may ask... I think I could say from what you just shared with us that, first of all, it's, it's certainly a long-term study. This is a very fundamental study that may lead to some very interesting outcomes. While some people have expressed interest in regrowing teeth, we all know that teeth have many different components, particularly I'm thinking of enamel and dentin. And so I believe that your interests are in reforming various components of a tooth as well as perhaps ultimately the tooth itself. Is that a correct presumption?
1: There is one way to look at this, although we are probably not in the business of growing teeth de novo because this is a very complex process which basically occurs in the development. And in order to grow a new tooth, you need to reconstruct the environment that occurs in development, which is extremely challenging. But what we are trying to do, we are trying to improve materials that can go into tooth repair and restoration, and we are trying to create novel materials that will last longer, that will produce much better biocompatibility, and so on and so forth.
0: There are certain clinical strategies in terms of repairing teeth at the moment, How would your vision alter that?
1: Well, the current dental materials, uh, let's focus on this topic because I guess this is uh, much simpler to explain. They're uh, basically composites that were developed in the 50s and 60s, and the further development of this was very incremental and not particularly interesting. They are basically physical blends of mineral particles, Polymers, ceramics and so on and so forth, they don't have any particular structural organization. They are sort of homogeneous materials. While enamel is extremely anisotropic material which behaves differently different orientations. So what happens then? the uh, modern dental materials interface very poorly with the enamel, for example, or dentin which leads to eventual deliminations of these materials, formation of secondary caries, and tooth loss. So we are working on the ways to improve the materials, the way that they will behave exactly the same way as the surrounding tissues will, which will eventually lead to much better clinical outcomes. Another area is restoration of the tissues that were, let's say, due to the caries, often tissues demineralize. So nowadays, the treatment of demineralized dentin would be removing it and filling it with uh, man-made material. What we propose is biomedic remineralization of these tissues to complete restoration of its structure and the
0: function. So this is the areas we work in. Very interesting and certainly very promising if your hypotheses materialize. I seem to recall from something I heard or read that The environment in the mouth is pretty hostile in terms of lots of bacteria and so forth. Does that create problems for what you're trying to accomplish?
1: Yeah, it's not just the bacteria. Bacteria is just one part of it, but pretty much everything we eat, drink, might cause problems. Let's say uh, changing the temperature in the mouth will basically often lead to cracking or delamination of materials from the tissues because the thermal co- expansion coefficients are different obviously the acidic drinks and bacteria cause demineralization of the tissues and definitely in our research we understand that the materials that we will eventually hope to produce have to withstand this harsh environment and it's not just harsh chemical environment of physical condition. It's extremely demanding mechanical environment because the teeth are our major grinding devices. So teeth are made of two materials, enamel and dentin. They are not repairable. Unlike Bone which Remodels, this once they form, they form. They will not repair, self-repair. Yet they serve for tens of years throughout our life without catastrophic damage. This tells you how well The nature designed this particular tools, if you want, because the lifespan of any grinding device, you can tell, in the industry will be years, maybe. I don't know, the drill bits dull, everything dulls, so you have to replace or repair them. These things work for years, for tens of years, without repair. This is very unique.
0: I think that's an interesting analogy in terms of other types of grinding devices. So, Dr. Beniash, I know from what you just shared with us that your interest is in hard tissue in terms of dentin and enamel. Of course, the other predominant dental problem is gum disease. Is that of interest to you or your colleagues?
1: Yes, we have a several projects going on now in the Center for Craniofacial Regeneration that focused on this topic. And actually, Dr. Little and Dr. Sphere have received an NIH award to work on the drug delivery system for periodontal regeneration. In our lab, what we are interested in is creating interfaces between materials, metals, for example, and biological tissues. So currently, and, and this is what drives this particular line of research, the periodontal ligament, which is basically ligament that connects teeth to bone, is the very interesting and complex structure, which, as any ligament, it interfaces with two different tissues. So currently, implant devices, the tooth implants, are basically screwed into the bone and without any particular specifically designed interface. What we hope to achieve is to develop the interface between metal implants and surrounding tissues, bone and ligament, that it will be native. And therefore, it will function as a normal periodontal ligament. And instead of screwing the implants into the bone, it will basically just interface with the implant on the uh, similar way as periodontal ligament does.
0: It's very interesting. Having used some of the old technology myself, I look forward to your developments in the future. So Dr. Beniash, I recall that you had some recent accomplishments published by the National Academy of Science. Can you share that with us, please?
1: Yes, this is a very interesting study. It's actually, it was a very long study, and this was a collaboration between University of Michigan, the Forsyth Institute in Boston, and our Department of Structural Biology. It was a big group of researchers, and what we were trying to understand was how the major protein of enamel, amylogenin, regulates very early stages of enamel formation. Probably people who are familiar with enamel will immediately say, well, but enamel has no protein, and that's correct for the mature enamel. However, during the formation of enamel, it's plenty of protein there. About a third of uh, early enamel is a protein, and it's protein gel, and it's self-assembled protein gel. And eventually, once the mineral structure is formed, this protein is removed, uh, mineral thickens, and it basically becomes a mature enamel. The major protein in this matrix, early enamel matrix, is amelogenin. What was known for a long time was that this protein can assemble, and it can organize mineral crystals into a parallel arrays which is the major structural building block of enamel. So-called enamel rod is a parallel array of hydroxyapatite crystals. So we try to understand how the self-assembly and mineralization go together, and we done a very complex study, and it's a cutting-edge study of self-assembly of amylogenium and how this self assemblies organize organized mineral particles. So what we found first that this protein has very interesting self-assembly, its so-called hierarchical self-assembly. It first assembles into small, very well-organized, defined oligomers of usually 12 protein molecules in each oligomer that have a barrel like shape. And then eventually these oligomers, in the absence of mineral, organize in the larger spherical structures called nanospheres. However, if we do self assembly of these particles and mineralization together, what we observed was that these oligomers of amylogenin are able to stabilize so called prenucleation clusters. And this is actually a revolutionary idea in our understanding of mineral formation. There are defined prenucleation clusters that eventually aggregate into larger nuclei and form crystals. so what we found that these oligomers don 't only really stabilize these clusters they organize these clusters into linear chains, and eventually these linear chains fuse together, forming needle shaped crystals. So this particular paper actually is shown how the protein can organized mineral at the level of essentially atoms or a handful of atoms. So at very, very basic level. And we are now working on the peptide analogs of this amylogenin that will do similar job. And we hope that we will be able to use them for repair material, basically to repair enamel in situ probably using this smart peptides that will organize enamel crystals.
0: So, just to reaffirm what I think you just shared with us, the practical outcome of this is, being that you understand this process of assembly, uh, you'll be better able to build systems to repair enamel. Is that correct? That's correct. That's very significant. Again, as I said early on in this discussion, this is some pretty fundamental studies. And many times when we have guests on these podcasts, we talk about the relative time frame where at least clinical trials might be available. Would I be in the right ballpark if I said this is maybe in five years, something might come from this? It's always difficult. I've
1: heard so many people giving a time frame and just to see them be completely off. Sometimes it's off on the positive side, but most often it's on the negative side. Basically, people overestimate because you never know what lies ahead. But I guess because actually this is really a dental application, which is much easier in terms of the FDA approval, etc. it might be five to ten years' time we'll see okay. something. So it's
0: not tomorrow. I think that was the point. No,
1: it's not. No, no. We are not, we are not in the phase of looking for industrial partners for to right. apply like this
0: technology. So, Dr. Beniash, I appreciate you taking the time today to share your exciting research with us. We will post on the podcast website the URL for your lab website. So, if listeners are interested, they can further explore your pioneering studies. As we conclude this podcast, I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. Uh, we welcome suggestions at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. And again, Dr. Benny Ash, thank you for joining us. And to our listeners, uh, we look forward to joining you with another interesting interview. Thank you very much.